You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Thursday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing great out there. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of the Locked on Cougars podcast. We are going to talk with Billy Nixon. He is a big part of the BYU football program. Some of you may know, some of you may not. He is the director of player experience and equipment operations for the BYU football program. Had a chance to catch up with him to talk about the Built for Life program that BYU recently announced. We'll let him explain what went into building that and why it's so important for the BYU football program. We'll also continue on with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. 1972 Lavelle Edwards story tenure as the head coach of the Cougars begins. How did it go? Mel Olson will help explain what went into uh, Lavelle getting the job to begin with. You'll hear from him ahead on today's show as well. So without further ado here on a Thursday, let's dive on in. A reminder for you guys that today's show is brought to you by the Locked On Today podcast. It gets you up to speed on everything you need to know in the sports world, regardless of whatever the sport might be, NHL, NBA, NFL. They've got it all covered for you. The best part, 20 minutes or less. It is a great product. You can download it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's get into it on a Thursday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 24th, 2021. What's up, my friends? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us right here on your daily podcast, your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU. A lot to get to ahead on today's show, but a reminder for you guys to leave us a rating and review if you don't mind, especially on Apple Podcasts. I think we're nearing almost the 275 uh, rating and review mark on Apple Podcasts. Love to get that north of 300, obviously. I'm selfish that way. Your guys' support in that realm is absolutely invaluable, so please do so if you have the opportunity to do that. But also, one other note for you guys. Some of you may have seen this, but Facebook is going to be integrating podcasts right into the Facebook app, your Facebook desktop site. You'll actually be, listening to, be able to listen to Locked On Cougars right there on Facebook. So get ready for that. We'll have more details on that as we get a little bit closer to getting all that integrated. But looking forward to that new fast it right there inside of Facebook. That's the cool part about it. All right, getting going here on a Thursday edition of the show, and we're going to kick off the show with the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Normally, this kind of comes in kind of that second part of the podcast, what we call the B block or the second segment, but today, 1972 is on the docket. 1972 is the first year that Lavelle Edwards took over as head coach of the BYU football program. Lavelle had been with the Cougars for a decade, had served as the defensive coordinator for most of that time after initially coming to the Cougars as their defensive line coach. He was a high school coach before that, obviously an all-conference center and linebacker for Utah State in his playing days. But he took the job at BYU without much fanfare, in all honesty. I think there were BYU fans out there probably knew his name, but relative to what BYU had done in the lead-up to him becoming, by the way, the 11th coach in BYU football history. He's officially the 11th coach of the Cougars all-time. They've really been just kind of spurts and stops and just a lot of downs as compared to a lot of ups for the BYU football program. And Lavelle talked many times 
during uh, his post-career life, even during uh, the lighter stages of his career, about how the fact that he came to BYU without much expectation of being a long-term head coach for the Cougars. He felt like considering the track record that other coaches at BYU had had at that point, well, he was going to be there a short time, and he decided the offense he becomes synonymous with, that throw it all over the yard, West Coast slash air raid type of offense, was something he would try considering other methods had failed. But 1972 was an interesting year for BYU because the true pass-happy offense for BYU did not get fully integrated until 1973. Dewey Warren was the wide receivers coach for BYU in 1972, and he was one of the guys chiefly... uh, put in charge of building out that passing offense, but this is not the year, speaking of 1972, that BYU would debut that. We'll talk more about how things went in the initial year of that true pass-happy offense in 1973 on tomorrow's show, but Coach Edwards was uh, quoted in the newspaper when he took over the job saying, quote, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to represent this university as head coach. I will ever be grateful for the opportunity of working closely with Tommy Hudspeth. The experience has added a great deal to my professional background, especially Especially in the area of organization. Now, Lavelle was a master organizer. He was a true CEO head coach. He trusted his assistants to make the right calls, to make sure that they were able to go out and do their jobs to the best of their ability, and he stayed out of the way of those coaches. A guy that understands that better than almost anybody, because he worked for him for the better part of two decades, is Mel Olson. Mel obviously joined us recently on the podcast. Part of the extended conversation that we had, I asked him about Lavelle Edwards taking over as head coach for the BYU Cougars, and what went into that? What went into the decision-making process? What was Lavelle like early on in his tenure? Well, here's what Mel had to say regarding that. There's a famous story out there, uh, Mel, that Lavelle was convinced that he was uh, picked to be the head coach because, and he took it because, well, I'm going to be fired at some point, so might as well just give it a shot. Can you, can, can you a little ba- give a little background and, and on I that? Think, I, I think he's a little bit misquoted on that because that's true, but that's why he pursued his degree okay. to go on and get his doctoral degree is because he knew if it didn't work out being the coach, because he'd look at the history of head coaches at BYU and probably figured out that it might not be a lifetime thing that you're going to re- that you're going to retire from and so that's why he continued with his education which is a great honor to him because he went on to get his doctor's degree and then of course uh, the nice run that he had with uh, with the football program was was legendary there's no question but he was he was the type of person that was just perfectly fit if you will, for BYU, because mm-hmm. he was an excellent coach. I mean, as far as the excellent knows and what the defense did, they were always good. We send a flip-flop on the offense sometimes, but the defense was always solid. And then he was just a player's coach. If there were any issues, they could come in and talk to him, and he would make the adjustments. Great recruiter, you know, because he just, you know, you'd go recruiting with him, and, you know, you'd, He'd be there talking to the kid and talking to the mother and just having a conversation. And, and then we'd leave and I'd say, because usually it's like a salesman, you know, we got this and we do this. Then when you check it off, did he talk about school? Yeah. Did he talk about religion? Yeah. Did he talk about, and he covers them all. That's the way he is, you know what I mean? And, uh, of course, he, he's the best as far as recruiter and, and coaching and the whole, whole thing. So it was really an honor to be a part of part of his staff and then as you learn more about him he was a great delegator you know he's the head man so he mm-hmm. had the head man decisions but he hired competent coordinators 
and he would turn, you know, the responsibility over to the coordinators to make sure the offense was going and make sure the defense was going. And then he actually just uh, stepped out of the way. We we tried to talk him in one time, Jake, asking why he doesn't wear headsets on the on the <laughs> sideline. You know, he said, "Oh, I wore them one time. We got to wear them one time." And he, he said, "There was so much yelling and and just confusion, and I had a headache after." <laughs> so. So the way, if he wanted to know what the play was, he would go stand by the offensive coordinator and know what the pass, or he'd go by the defensive coordinator and find out what defense we're in. And you heard him tell the story about the Missouri game and the bowl game. You know, he said, "Hey, if that would have come through my headset, we wouldn't have Steve Young to catch that pass. Eddie said they had to throw that pass on the goal line." You know? so, but he trusted his guy, his offense, and his defense, and and I think history speaks that. We did a pretty good job during that record period of time. There you go, Mel Olson. A big thank you to him for joining the podcast. As always, we'll have more from him as we progress through these years with Lavelle Edwards. He was a coach who was very integral in the early years, the first two decades, roughly, of Lavelle Edwards' tenure. We'll hear more from him in future episodes for sure. But really interesting to hear about Lavelle. Did not like wearing the headset because of all the different chatter. Just didn't like it. It gave him a headache. And also, kind of funny to hear him talk about 1983, that halfback pass uh, that Steve Young took in for the touchdown. Lavelle might have actually told him, hey, you're not calling that, had he actually known what the call was. But nonetheless, very interesting to hear about Lavelle uh, going get the PhD because he really felt like he needed to have an education and have that in his back pocket should the coaching thing not work out. But 1972 went very good, all things considered, for the BYU football program. They had a very nice record, a 7-4 and four overall record. They went 5-2 and two in the WAC. Lavelle, to his credit, was named WAC Coach of the Year as a rookie head coach. He had, I believe, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 players named all WAC. Dave Atkinson, Dan Hansen, Paul Howard, Paul Linford, Ron Tree, and Pete Van Valkenburg all all received all-whack honors, and for good reason, especially in the case of Pete Van Valkenburg. He was actually the nation's leading rusher in 1972, just north of 1,300 yards, 13 total touchdowns, speaking of Van Valkenburg. So for at least one year under Lavelle Edwards' tenure, he did not have a pass-happy offense and a quarterback who was seemingly setting records every year, and that just so happened to be the first year. And to his credit, I think he realized what he had in a guy like Pete Van Valkenburg. Say, you know what, we're going to lean into this. Two quarterbacks took most of the snaps during this season for the BYU football program, and they didn't necessarily have a lot of success on either front in regards to that. Bill August, he had 891 yards, five touchdowns against five interceptions. Dave Terry had 742 yards, two touchdowns against 10 interceptions. So the pass-happy offense, that so-called air raid or West Coast, or I don't know what you term the offense, Lavelle Edwards became synonymous with very much was not a working machine right out the get-go, but you always you obviously had a standout running back, speaking of Pete Van Valkenburg, you could lean on. BYU had a very, very good season overall. That's a great season considering what we talked about at the tail end of Tommy Hudspeth's era. Just didn't necessarily work out. BYU started the year with a win over Kansas State, then lost in blowout fashion in Provo to Utah State 42-19, to then went to Oregon State, lost that game 29-3. to So they're 1-2 and two out the gate, but then things got going a little bit for them. They went to 
to Long Beach State, won that game in Anaheim, 38 to 27. Then beat UTEP, 21 to 14. Funny enough, former head coach Tommy Hudspeth was on that staff. He would eventually take over as interim head coach after serving as offensive coordinator against BYU in that game. Then the Cougars lost to number 19 Arizona State in Provo, 49 to 17. Followed that up with back-to-back wins at Colorado State and over Wyoming in Provo. Their final loss of the season came at Arizona, losing 21 to 7. But they did snap another streak of losing to Utah at Rice Stadium in Salt Lake City, winning that game 16 to 7. As I mentioned yesterday, this would be the first of a number of wins in a row for BYU. It was until 1978 the Cougars beat Utah. So obviously Lavelle making an instant impact right away as the head coach against the University of Utah and then the Cougars finished out the year winning at New Mexico 21 to 7. So BYU as a team they finished 7 and 4 as I mentioned. They finished in second place tied with Utah in the whack behind at number 13 ranked Arizona State. By virtue of beating Utah head-to-head, BYU at the number two slot in the conference. And as I mentioned, Lavelle Edwards, very much a great debut season, all things considered. Seven and four, whack coach of the year. That was a really, really great debut season. And it kind of portended what we were going to see from BYU moving forward, obviously. We're going to talk more about that, talk about 1973, and we'll roll through these 29 years of Lavelle Edwards' on the sideline. Just absolutely phenomenal. We'll have quotes, we'll have stories, we'll have plenty for you guys on Lavelle as his career as the head coach at BYU plays out because he did a lot of great things and considering what he inherited from BYU overall as he took over, well, yeah, he deserved to have some success, I think. And I think the biggest thing is BYU was a beneficiary of the fact that Lavelle was more than happy to let his assistant coaches come in and say, oh, you know what? We're going to try something different. We're not going to do the same thing everybody else is doing. We're not going to run the wishbone. We're not going to run the triple option. We're not going to run the veer or go I formation all the time. We need to be different. And obviously, the results, as we will talk about as they play out here in this 100 season, countdown speak for themselves all right coming up here in just a moment we'll catch up with billy nixon who is a beneficiary obviously of the groundwork that lavelle edwards and his staff laid for the cougars he is now the director of player experience and equipment operations for the byu football program we're going to talk today about what he has done in regards to the built for life program that byu announced during byu football media day let him explain what went into that and obviously we'll continue to talk with him about his role as both player experience and also working with the team in regards to equipment operations. We'll have all of that ahead in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online. They are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. We've got NBA playoffs ongoing, the race to the Stanley Cup ongoing in hockey, Major League Baseball is in full swing. No matter what your interest is, whether it's UFC, MMA, golf, soccer, they've got it all for you guys. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game and win some money, hopefully. Take advantage of it now. Go to betonline.ag. Sign up for free, by the way. It's free to sign up. And while you're there, when you make your first deposit, take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus to being offered to you by BetOnline. 50% of whatever you deposit the first time will be added to your account to bet with. Use the promo code Locked On to take advantage of that when you get to betonline.ag. Absolutely love this company. They're a lot of fun to work with, so take advantage of that now. BetOnline.ag, they are your online sportsbook experts. 
Please welcome in now Billy Nixon. Uh, two different roles at BYU. And the way I understand it, Billy, is you are both the equipment manager for the BYU football program in addition to being the player experience manager. Did I get both titles correct? Yes, director of player experience and equipment operations. I mean, it's kind of two different roles, but we merge them together. Okay, very cool. Well, uh, let's talk about the two roles that you have because I think most people know, okay, equipment director like you, you you handle all of the gear for these for the team you're, you're the one that's packing it up putting it on the semi getting it to and from games all that stuff well can you tell us a little bit about how you got into that role originally yeah so you know you kind of fall into this role um it's not a role you know when i first came out to byu it certainly wasn't a role that i even knew existed um i came out and played lacrosse at byu was part of the 2011 national championship team play and then in 2012 um, I still, I mean, I took the long route of getting my undergrad, you know, I mean, I know that Tommy boy quote where it's like, you know, seven years, you know, the most people are doctors. Well, like I, I definitely took the Tommy boy route to get through, uh, to get through my undergrad. And so I had a couple years left. And so I interned, um, during the underneath Bronco okay. and was a student equipment manager. And then following that, I ended up being a high school head football coach at American leadership Academy in Spanish fork, which was awesome. Um, it was an awesome experience for three years. I, I taught, um, marketing business, sport marketing and, uh, business leadership classes. And then I also coached football It was great, great experience. And then Kalani got hired. And, uh, when Kalani got hired, they gave another full-time position for equipment. And at the time, a uh, longtime director of equipment ops, Mick Hill, um, and I had still kept in contact and he reached out and said, hey, this is something you need to think about applying for. And so I always kind of dreamed about being a coach, but I think what I fell in love with when I was a high school coach was the program stuff, sure. right? I mean, I love X's and O's. I love the Friday nights, but what I loved was I loved developing young men, right? And, and that just became, and I didn't think I would love that, but I loved all the, hey, help boys set goals, help them you know, academically help them reach for things that extend beyond the football field. And so when I came back to BYU to work underneath Mick and equipment operations, it was awesome. Uh, it's been a fun ride being a part of Kalani Sataki's, uh, you know, tenure. Um, but a couple of years ago, uh, I really got going on, uh, you know, Kalani kind of challenged us to heighten the player experience. And I forgot exactly how he worded it, but, you know, and, and at the time I just barely started, uh, uh, down a course of pursuing a doctorate degree okay. and, um, and athletic administration. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm going to focus all my research on player experience. I mean, this is something that's important to Kalani. Um, and so over time, just kind of what we've been doing at BYU evolved, but evolved from this idea of very business, like business marketing principles of consumer behavior where, you know, along I-15 we're surrounded by, you know, the, experience management corridor, right? You have Qualtrics focusing on experience management. You have Domo focusing on consumer experience, you know? And so um, a lot of those type of theories, right? We started to incorporate into the way that we manage our football players. And, um, and, and basically taking what Kalani challenged us, Coach Sataki challenged us to do to the next level. And so every, we, we identified all these touch points over the last couple of years and we've just slowly tried to strengthen all these critical touch points that influence our player satisfaction, the program and their overall experience. 
Okay, so you kind of explain what your your dual role here is. Mick Hill's a legend around the BYU football program. I, I have heard story after story from BYU football players from many years back talking about him and just how much of a figurehead he was in that program because he was there for just so long. I think he spanned all the way from yes. Lavelle to Kalani's era. So he has just got all kinds of touch points with all of these different players from different eras. How, uh, how, how big a shoes do you feel like you had to step into when you replaced him in that role specifically? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mick, Mick definitely is a legend. He's been around for, he was there for 39 years. It was a big role. Um, naturally, I think that over time, Mick knew that he was going to be retiring. So he turned over a lot to me early on. Um, and, and this past year, because of health reasons, he wasn't able to come. Um, and be a part of it. So really I took over the, the role as interim director of equipment ops um, back in the end of July. Um, but it was, it was also a great experience because I was able to do things that, t- you know, were outside the comfort zone, right. Of traditional equipment. And so equipment is a very, I mean, there's a lot of touch points with equipment, like as far as the Jersey you wear on game day, that has a huge impact on recruit perception. It has a huge, you know, impact on our athlete satisfaction. And so that was a huge touch point that right away we, we tried to strengthen this year. And that's why we wore 11 different combos, mm-hmm. right? And we got the players involved in the, that selection process of those 11 different uniform combos. And so there's certainly big shoes to fill, right? And, and I'm humbled. I, I love Nick. He, he was a mentor of mine and a great, great friend. Um, but I'm also excited because we're doing, we're doing things new, right? And so some of these theories that we've been toying around with, you know, for the past couple of years, we're able to be full steam ahead. With Qualtrics, have you, have you collaborated with Qualtrics, Domo, these different experience management companies to kind of build out what you guys are trying to do here with this Built for Life program you guys are building up right now as well? No, so the Built for Life, a lot of this came from what we're doing to heighten player experience. Okay. Um, and a couple, you know, there was a huge hole in our player development program that we we identified early on about a year and a half ago. And so um, John Swift, director of football operations, kind of said, hey, you know what? We don't have anyone in that current role. Like, let's, let's all hop, you know, pitch in and let's all take part and build out this program. And so that's why you see like we started doing the prepare to go pro and mm-hmm. helping our players get LinkedIn and help them with branding. All of that comes from our feedback that we received from our players, right through the different ways that we gather feedback and get them involved in decision-making processes. So what I learned early on with consumer behavior and you see Nike rolling into this is the consumer wants to actually design their own things. That's why Nike ID has taken off. Consumers want the ability to design things that are specific to them. So we started this, Hey, let's let the players lead out. Like, so we kind of wanted this, this whole mindset of, Hey, this is going to be built by players for players. And so we're not going to make decisions anymore. We're going to help them. You know, we're going to provide the framework to allow them to make decisions. So we do that through a myriad of ways. We do it through Qualtrics surveys. So we'll trickle out Qualtrics surveys throughout the year to gather feedback. Sometimes the players don't even know what they're being surveyed on or, you know, but you know, we have a kind of the longer vision in, 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 in mind. We also do focus groups with our leadership council uh, regularly. And the best part about being in the belly of the, the football you know, front door access to the players all the time. So I'll bring in players all the time. And we actually leave the door open into the equipment room. It's always unlocked if I'm there. 
And part of it is, is I want them to come in and then right there, all this trickle in, Hey, things on my mind. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And so we're constantly getting feedback from our athletes. Uh, and it's been awesome to see the things that they come up with. So we look at the locker room, the locker room really was designed by our athletes. Again, that was a process we used that we used for player experience to gather information. We sent out a survey with different locker room images from all over the country, some P5, some G5, and everything from like the nameplate to the lighting to the type of material you use. We're like, hey, which one do you like better out of these six lockers? Which one do you like better out of these six nameplates? Which one do you like better out of this lighting? You know, and, and to get the feedback from the players. And what's interesting is, is what I've learned is 80% of the time, what I think the players are going to like is wrong. And I thought I was hip. I thought I was cool. I thought I could, you know, I knew what the boys wanted, but I realized that I have like, I can't guess anymore. And it's funny because I was talking to a buddy from Nike and he said the same thing. He said, Nike gets these great minds in a room. They come up with an amazing idea. That's going to be a home run hitter. That's going to change the game. Then they take it to a focus group and 80% of the time they're like, yep, try again. Right. Big miss, you know? And, and so it's interesting because so many times I hear coaches or support staff or people outside the program say, Oh, this is what the players want. And so finally it's very simple. We're just like, Hey, you know what? Forget about guessing, right? We're just going to ask the players and it's taken, it's actually taken a lot of, you know, resolve the pain point. And I, I describe it like Christmas, Jake, I'm sure you've gone down this route where you get a Christmas gift that the person that gives it to you, like your mom is like, Hey, this is amazing. He is going to love it. And then you're sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, I can't get rid of this fast enough. Right. And, and how do I get rid of it without a, like, I know I'm going to take a family photo in this sweater, right? You know, it, that's what happens when we assume what people want. Most of the time we're wrong. And so the whole idea of player experience is from the socks they wear mm -hmm. to the activities of player development. We're asking players, what do they want? And that's why Built for Life really is a strong foundation because when we brought in Gary Verone a couple of years ago, I mean, he's my best friend. He's a legal mind. He's been NCAA compliance. And he's like, hey, we could push the, the NIL limit now. And then he's like, but, and then he kind of asked me, but what, what do the players want? So we worked together and found these touch points. And that's how Built for Life came to be. So all of this is just a result of just getting the players involved in the decision-making process. I'm going to neither incriminate myself or not. I'm not, I'm not going to admit to that, but I know exactly what you're talking about with regards <laughs> to <laughs> no, but that, that's exactly how it goes. I, and I think it's funny enough that that right there, your concept of actually act, asking the players themselves. I think that's something that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. I oh, a hundred percent. No, you know, it's, it's interesting because people ask, say, why did we start doing this? And I was watching Moneyball with my wife and I'm like, man, we, and at the end of Moneyball, I sat there on the couch and I'm like, Hey, we have a big problem in college football. We're in the midst of an arms race where these schools are throwing millions of dollars. Tennessee spent $4 million on recruiting alone. And I'm like, man, how are we going to compete? And so a lot of the methods being used right now in college athletics is, hey, pick up a handful of darts, throw them against the wall and see what sticks, right? And I said, we, we can't do that at BYU, yeah. right? We, we, you know, our resources are different than Alabama or, or Tennessee, but we have to compete with them on Saturdays. And so again, now instead of taking the pick up the darts and, and throw and see what sticks, we ask our players, okay, what do you want? And so we narrow down, we identify the critical touch points, and we focus on that 90% of the critical touch points have the greatest impact on their overall experience. And that's, you know, that's where we put most of our resource and time into. One other question on the Built for Life uh, program here. 
Is it already in effect? When will it go into effect for BYU's athletes? So here's the crazy thing about Built for Life. Built for Life is already full functioning. Okay. Right? We see a lot of these co- these programs coming out from different institutions, some that I w- will not be named, right? Um, some that were released two hours after we, we announced Built for Life. Um, you know, <laughs> I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Um, well done. But, you know, the, the fact is, is a lot of them are talking about, hey, in the future or what we plan to do, we're already doing it. We started piloting a lot of these principles of built to life during the the framing, you know, in the in the as we developed and designed this this program, and so a lot of what you see, like the prepare to go pro series, if you've been following our Twitter feed, um, getting our players involved in internships, bringing in experts for along I fifteen, partnering with companies along I fifteen, we started that and piloted that um, back in January, and it took off, and so. As it took off, and then as we wanted to incorporate more NIL into it, right, that's when we we changed it to Built for Life. We launched it, but really we already had that foundation prepped. So nothing, there was no, you know, there's no real strong increase. There's been this gradual, you know, increase since January, and now it's just going to, now it's just skyrocketing. So right after we announced it, Gary Verone, who's going to be the social athletic director over this program for the department, right, he, uh, I mean, he received calls from, so many companies along I-15 and individuals that want to get involved. And so, again, um, we kind of already knew. We already got this rolling. And now we're, we're full steam ahead. There you go. Billy Nixon, thank you to him for taking some time. We had an extended conversation. We'll play part two of it tomorrow, talking more about, obviously, the locker room that was built by the BYU football program recently there in the student-athlete building. And Billy, by the way, played a key role in it. He will explain exactly what happened, how he helped get things rolling, the ball rolling literally with regards to getting that locker room done. And it looks absolutely marvelous. We'll have more from him on tomorrow's podcast on a Friday. All right, coming up here in a moment, we're over a little bit over time, so we're going to catch you guys up on some other news and notes involving BYU sports. We'll get to all of that here in just a second. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar, folks. They are the best tasting protein bars anywhere, and I mean that sincerely. I know you guys hear me talk about it, probably sound like a broken record when I talk about these, but I love Built Bars. High protein, high fiber, low calorie, low sugar. I think they are the best tasting protein bars that have ever been developed. They've got absolutely phenomenal flavors up and down their roster nine regular flavors, all kinds of what you would call limited time runs when you can get different flavors that they put out there for a day or two. That's what I love about this company. And the best part about it is, guys, they give you that energy boost. I've noticed kind of mid-afternoon lulls when I seem to be struggling to get through the rest of my day. I can open a built Bar, eat it, and it gives me that boost I need to get through the rest of my afternoon and on into my evening hours to get things done that I need to get done. Take advantage of it. Give them a shot. I believe that the best thing you can do is to give a built Bar a shot and see if it's the right thing for you guys. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 while you're there at BuiltBar.com. You'll save 15% off your first order. Yeah, save some money. Try them out. See if they're the right fit for you. I believe that they will be, but you guys obviously need to take that step. So BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. And get enjoying the best tasting protein bars anywhere. 
All right, friends, just a quick note before we go here on today's show, and that is a congratulations to Kennedy Eschenberg. She was named to the 2020-2021 Academic All-District 8 Volleyball First Team, selected by Cosida. We talked about how yesterday Keenan Peely, in addition to James Empey, received this from the football program. Well, Kennedy Eschenberg, she was named a 2020-2021 AVA, AVCA All-American third team honoree. She ranked number six in the NCAA Division One with an average of 1.58 blocks per set, number 10 nationally with a 435 hitting percentage this past year. She was one of the stalwarts for BYU for the majority of the past two or three years she's been in that starting lineup for Heather Olmstead. Kennedy Eschenberg, she is an absolute star for BYU. Uh, the academic all-district volleyball teams recognize the nation's top student-athletes for their combined performances on the court as well as in the classroom. To be eligible, you must be a starter or significant contributor and at least maintain a 3.3 cumulative GPA. Honorary selected to the academic all-district first team, advance to the Cosida Academic All-American ballot. We'll hopefully hear more about this for Kennedy Eschenberg. It's really, really cool see her get that honor in addition to both James Empey and Keenan Peely from the BYU football program. These athletes, folks, they go through a lot. I don't think how many people understand that how much they have to deal with in terms of playing their sport. In addition to balancing a full load of classes, all the coursework that's required, it's truly an impressive achievement when you see an athlete get this academic citation. So congratulations once again to Kennedy Eschenberg on that honor. All right, that'll do it for this Thursday edition of the show. Can't thank you guys enough for taking the time to join us here as we talk all things BYU every single day. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars. You also can follow my work on Twitter at Jacob C. Hatch. That's my personal handle. And as always, if you'd like to weigh in with the show, please feel free to email us. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the address. Advertising questions, comments, concerns, uh, clarification emissions, retractions, whatever you got for us, feel free to reach out. We'd love to hear from you guys. But until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 24th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys manana.